Good morning. Why don't you grab your Bible and open with me, please, to Luke chapter 1. And uh, just as you're turning to Luke chapter 1, let me wish you a very Merry Christmas. So glad that you're here this morning, that we get to celebrate this time of the year together uh, today. And uh, if I can, just as you're finding your way to Luke 1, I just want to take a quick opportunity to put some things before you. Uh, First of all, um, thank you to all of you who prayed for me over the past week. Uh, I had every intention of being here last weekend, and then some health issues sidelined me, and uh, very grateful to God for His grace, and to you for your prayers, and uh, very, very thankful for that. Glad to be back this morning, and uh, in God's Word together. Uh, Second, uh, this Tuesday, of course, is Christmas Eve, and I want to remind you of that. We'd love for you to join us for either one of our services on Christmas Eve, beginning at 3 o'clock and 4.30. And it's a great opportunity for us to come together again and be reminded of why we celebrate at this particular time of the year. And uh, we would love for you and your family to make part of your Christmas celebration to be here with us uh, as well. And then uh, for the next two Sundays coming up, uh, next Sunday, Pastor Matt will be uh, preaching God's word here. And uh, for those of you who may not know, Pastor Matt is our pastor of youth and young adults. And uh, he's going to be opening God's word for us. And then the weekend after that, Pastor Kyle is going to be preaching God's word. And so I'm very excited for that. And, uh, and I know both those guys would really appreciate your prayers for them over the next couple of weeks as they uh, prepare the messages uh, that God is giving to them that we need to hear as well. And so that's coming up for the next two weekends. And then once we're into the new year, one more thing. Just want to give you a bit of a heads up as to where we're headed. Uh, Lord willing, we are going to begin a brand new series uh, in early January, going verse by verse through the book of 1 Corinthians. And so I'm really excited about that, really excited for what the Lord has for us as a church as we make our way through that. And uh, I would love for you to join me in prayer for those things, uh, for all of those things together, and of course, hoping to see you here with us again on Tuesday for Christmas Eve. All right, for this morning, we're back into our series called Women of Wonder. And uh, the point of this series has been uh, to look at the stories of four women in the Bible, uh, three of whom are directly involved in what we know as the Christmas story, and then a fourth woman, being Eve, uh, who is indirectly involved in that same story and yet plays such a pivotal role in helping us understand the importance of the coming of Jesus. And, and so today we're looking at the experience of Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1, and how Elizabeth was a woman of encouragement, a woman of encouragement, and not just the general kind of encouragement, uh, but really at how the coming of Jesus is like the wellspring from which true, genuine, biblical encouragement flows. That's the idea that we're going after this morning. Jesus is the wellspring from which true, biblical, genuine encouragement flows. Um, There's a saying that goes something like this. Maybe you've heard it before. It says, flatter me and I may not believe you, criticize me and I may not like you, ignore me and I may not forgive you, but praise me and I will never forget you. It's interesting, isn't it, that genuine encouragement has uh, this special power within our lives. And, and when I say encouragement, I'm not just talking about like a general kind of, of flattery or a false praise or, or a not-so-veiled attempt at sucking up. Like how many of you know those people, right? And I'm not talking about that at all. That's not cool. We're not going after that. I'm talking about genuine biblical encouragement. 
Because I think the reality is um, we could all look back to those different times in our lives where uh, we can all remember these two things having happened to us. Uh, One is that you can't seem to forget some of the ways that you've been criticized. And, And we can't seem to forget that because of the sharpness of the criticism and it runs so deep. And, and sometimes it's not even the criticism that we remember so much. It's the way that the criticism makes us feel. And you just don't forget a feeling like that, do you? Because it's so sharp and it's so deep and, and it cuts so hard and we remember how that makes us feel. And when we start to feel that way, it's almost like you can predict the sleepless nights that are about to come, right? And, and you can feel that knot in your stomach that's forming in that moment and, and you just know that these next few days aren't going to be that great. And, and you just know that's the way it feels and we don't forget that feeling. At the same time, you also never forget some of the ways that you've been encouraged, Because someone that you respect has come alongside of you and spoken specific words of affirmation into your life. And oftentimes, we do remember the content. We do remember the specifics of the encouragement. But we also remember, again, the way that the encouragement made us feel. Made us feel good. Made us feel filled with hope. Made us look forward to the future. We remember how that feels. And we don't forget that feeling either. And all of that becomes so much more important when we consider what the Bible has to say about the power of the words that come out of our mouth. For example, James chapter 3. James is very straightforward, very clear. He says, out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. In other words, out of our mouth comes, comes this blessing. We bless the Lord. We praise God. We tell other people about Jesus. And yet, out of that same mouth come, come words that tear people down, that push people away, that criticize people. And, and he says, out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. And he says, my brothers, this should not be. Like, for the follower of Jesus, that's not the way that it's supposed to go. And, and we need to realize the power of the words that come out of our mouth. They have a great power Indeed, And so I want to help us see from our passage this morning in Luke chapter 1 that, that there are certain qualities that make encouragement biblical. As we go into this Christmas season, as you spend time with family, with friends, with, with coworkers, with whomever it may be that the Lord allows across your path over these next couple of weeks even, what is it exactly that makes encouragement biblical? How can we use the words that come out of our mouth to build others up and not to tear them down? So that's the focus of our time together. Follow along in your copy of God's word as I begin reading Luke chapter one, starting at verse 39 and down to verse 45. Luke one, starting at verse 39. The word of God says, in those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. All right, Jesus is the wellspring for true genuine biblical encouragement within our lives. Five ways for us to biblically encourage one another. Here's the first. Number one, biblical encouragement will be something we realize that we all need. 
So this is like laying the foundation. Everything from this point forward is built on this foundation. And and the specific content of Elizabeth's encouragement comes later in this passage. But here's the foundation. Biblical encouragement will be something we realize that we all need. So this section here begins on the heels of the angel Gabriel appearing to Mary to tell her that she's about to give birth to Jesus. So again, let's try and place ourselves as quickly as we can into the context of the story, into this passage right away. Try and think of what Mary is feeling. Try and understand what Mary might be thinking in this moment. And and imagine that you've just received similar news to what Mary has received. She's just been told that she is about to give birth to the Son of God. And that changes everything. And so if you're Mary in this moment, you're probably asking a bunch of really significant questions. Like, what does this mean? How's this going to happen? I don't understand this. What am I supposed to do? And so you've got all of these questions now that are flooding your mind. You have absolutely no answers whatsoever. And yet at the end of that conversation between Gabriel and Mary, notice that Gabriel says this to Mary in verse 36. He says, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. So Gabriel says to her, listen, Mary, this is what's going on with your relative Elizabeth, perhaps whom you haven't seen in a long time. She is about to have a baby. She who is older in years, who was barren, she is about to have a baby. And so now Mary hears that. She, it all of a sudden clicks and she starts connecting all of these dots within her life. And so maybe at this point she is standing there and she's thinking to herself, wait a second, here I am, a young woman who for all intents and purposes should not be having a baby. And here is Elizabeth, an older woman, who for all intents and purposes should not be having a baby. Here are the two of us, ordinary women, who for all intents and purposes are both being used by God in supernatural ways. And so Mary's putting all of these things together in her mind and in her heart right now. And perhaps she's thinking to herself, if anyone can understand what I am going through right now, it would be my relative Elizabeth. And that brings us then to verse 39 in our passage. Verse 39 says, In those days, meaning right after Gabriel had appeared to Mary in the days of Elizabeth's pregnancy, in those days... Notice this, Mary arose and went with haste. Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. So notice, there's so much here in this section, but notice first of all, the humility that is here. Notice the humility of Mary in this. It takes a certain humility to acknowledge that there is not a single one of us who can do this life alone. Like, think about this. It's no mistake that just a little bit before, Gabriel tells Mary that Elizabeth is going through a situation that is strangely similar to hers. And right there, in that moment, that is a gift from God that is pointing Mary in the direction of the encouragement that God knows that she is going to need for this next season of her life. And so what does Mary do in that moment when she realizes that this is a gift from God to her? Notice the text again, verse 39. She arose and went. She arose and went. She arose and went. 
Like she goes with haste into the hill country to see Elizabeth. So she makes this journey of about 100 kilometers from where she is to the house where Elizabeth lives. And she, she does that because she knows that for all of the ways that God is about to supernaturally work in her circumstances, there is no way that Mary can get through this on her own. And so the Bible says she arose and she went. Sometimes... Instead of passively waiting for the encouragement to come to you and then complaining when it doesn't, you have to arise and go. You have to arise and go to the places that God has made available for you to be encouraged. Like I just think right now of the many people, maybe even some of us in the room, who are just wandering aimlessly through life because you don't have anybody who's speaking that biblical encouragement into your life on a regular basis. And, and I think of the many people who feel that, especially at this particular time of the year, right around Christmas time, and, and, and maybe that's you. Like, you're lonely. You're afraid. You're grieving. Like, it could be any number of emotions that are going through you right now at this particular time of the year. And, and, and for many people, those emotions are very, very raw and they're very real at this time of the year. And I get that. I hear that. And yet, at the same time, part of what the Word of God is teaching us right now is that it takes humility to arise and go to the places that God has given you to be encouraged even at this time of the year. Like, think about it. It takes humility for someone to get up and go to somebody else and say, hey, you know what? I need help. I just need help. Because I'm going through this thing, and, and, and maybe you even go to somebody and say, you know what? I understand that you've been through something similar to what I'm going through right now, and I just, I'm just really keenly aware in my own life right now that I just can't get through this on my own, and I just need help. I need someone to walk alongside of me. Which, in essence, leads us to the next principle. Notice this here as well. We're not meant to go through this life alone. We're just not meant to go through this life alone. God has not created us that way. He hasn't wired us in that way. Mary actively seeks out Elizabeth because she knows on some level that Elizabeth will understand what she's going through. And one of the ways that you can know the fruit of humility within your life is this. You are willing to put in the time and the effort to seek out other godly people who understand what you're going through and who can speak truth into your life. That's one of the signs of humility within your life. You're willing to put in the time and the effort to seek out other godly people who understand what you're going through and can speak truth into your life. Like I, I just think of how tragic it is so many times, whether it's at Christmas time, any time of the year, it doesn't really matter. But I just think of how tragic it can be sometimes when we go through something and we have this awareness that we need other people to come alongside of us and speak into our life. And so we start looking for those other people who can do that. And we look for a week, or we look for two weeks, or we look for a month, maybe even we look for six weeks, and then by the end of that time, we get so frustrated because we can't seem to find anybody who understands what we're going through and who can walk with us through that. And so then we just give up. And we're like, you know what? I guess I just have to do this on my own. And then we just flounder and we fall and we fail. 
Because we've given up. We haven't continued to persevere. We're not enduring. We're not putting in the time and the effort that might be required to keep coming before the Lord and asking him, God, who is it that you have to walk alongside of me? Help me in humility to see who that person is and to receive that person into my life and to receive that counsel into my life as well. That's a sign of humility to persevere, to endure, to trust that God's going to give us people who can walk alongside of us and encourage us in the ways that we need to be encouraged. You know what the opposite of humility is? Obviously, it's pride. But in this particular case, it's the pride that says, you know what, I don't need that. I don't need that other person. I I don't need somebody else to walk with me. I don't need somebody else to speak into my life. Like, who are they, really, to tell me what to do? That's pride. And and listen, I, I say this because I see the pride in my own heart in this. And, and part of what we need to understand right now, loved ones, is that pride is so unbelievably stupid. It's just dumb all the way around. We need the kind of humility that comes before God. It says, God, who is it that you have to speak into my life? We need the kind of humility that only God can give us. And, and quite frankly, loved ones, like I, I stand up here right now, I look around and I see so many of you right now, and some of you do this so exceptionally well already, and that in itself is just an encouragement. Like, like you seek out to encourage other people and, and to be an encouragement, and, and like just take a second, just think of what could happen. Like, just think of what could happen if, if all of us, right across this room, right across this church, if, if we just put ourselves out there in humility. Like, there are so many of you in this room right now, and God has given you a spirit of wisdom. He has given you a spirit of discernment that has been refined by God through your experience. Like, just think of what could happen if all of us, right across this room, if we were to pray, even today, Lord, would you lead me to that person who needs to speak encouragement into my life? Or on the flip side of that, Lord, would you lead me to that person who I need to be an encouragement to, that I need to walk alongside of? Like, like just think of how the Spirit of God in that moment can take those prayers and divinely connect people who would never be connected otherwise because somebody over here is praying, Lord, I just need someone to walk alongside me. And someone over here is praying, Lord, who do I need to walk alongside? And only by the Spirit of God can he bring those two people together. Just think of how lives change. Like like when we pray those kind of prayers across this church, like those are prayers that change lives. Those are prayers that change a church. Just think of this on a simple level. If we all need encouragement, which we do, But if we all need this, and and God has placed you in your family, God has placed you in your circle of friends, God has placed you in this church, like who can you encourage even today by speaking truth into their life? Like who is it that in your life that needs to hear words from you that build them up? Because, I mean, let's just be honest, okay? There are some of us in the room right now, and our default is that we're critical, and, and in some cases, for some people, God has wired us that way. We think critically about situations, and, and that can be a good thing in many situations. In other situations, it can maybe come across the wrong way sometimes. But God has wired some people to think critically. There's others of us here right now, and, and our, just, our default is to complain. And our default is to criticize. And, and let's face it, it is so easy just to sit in the corner and complain. 
It is so easy just to sit in the corner and criticize. It's so easy. Like some, our default is just to look at the situation that's going on and just point out everything that's going wrong. Right? And the word of God is telling us, again, the words that come out of our mouth have such power. Like how are we using those words that come out of our mouth? For some, listen, the default for us is sarcasm. Listen, the only reason I'm mentioning any of this is because I see this so much in my own heart. Like God has been so gracious to, to show me some of this in my own life. And, and I got to think I'm not alone, right? Please, I'm not alone, right? Like, like we're there, right? We're, we're walking this together. But, but our default is sometimes so twisted. And it's just so easy for us just to sit back and point out everything that's going wrong. And yet the Bible tells us the words that come out of our mouth have such power, such impact. What would it be like right across the room? What would it be like across all of our families? What would it be like across all of our workplaces if we made the deliberate effort for those words that come out of our mouth to be an encouragement to the people around us? So let me ask you, who is it in your life that you need to get in touch with and encourage them? Who is it in your life that you need to text? Like, don't text them right now. Maybe in about half an hour or so you can text them, okay? But, but who is it that you need to call? Who is it you need to, to email? Who is it you need to spend some time with? And, and get together with them and just say, hey, listen, I just want to take some time and encourage you because I see God working in this way within your life, and I want to build you up by that. Happened to me again just this week. I, uh, I met with a friend who pastors another church here in our city. And, um, and I went into that meeting earlier this week. I just needed to be encouraged, but, but I wasn't going into that meeting looking for that encouragement. We were getting together to talk about some things that, that were very different. And, and, um, and so we got talking, and the conversation's going, and, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm thinking to myself, this is a godly man. And he understands what I'm going through because he does the same thing that I do. And he can speak truth into my life. And so the conversation just started going. We just started talking about church and family and life and all this stuff. And, and, and so I shared with him a little bit in the time that we had. And he spoke truth into my life. And I got to tell you, I walked away from that conversation so encouraged. Walked away encouraged, not even realizing I'd go into that conversation to be encouraged. And here's the point. Biblical encouragement will be something that we realize that we all need. I need it. You need it. We all need it. All right, that's the foundation. Um, here's where we unpack what biblical encouragement looks like. So you can jot this down. Number two, biblical encouragement will mutually strengthen our faith in God. So um, Mary has made the trip now through the hill country, and uh, verse 40 says that she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Of course, uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth at this particular point are no strangers to the supernatural ways that God has been working, which sets the stage for what happens in verse 40. And verse 40 really doesn't look like a big verse, but there's actually a lot there. Um, when Elizabeth greets Mary in verse 40, it's not a typical greeting like you and I would know. So sometimes we come and, and we could even be walking through the halls here and, and we just pass each other in the hallways and we're like, hey, how's it going? And, and we just keep walking. Right, like, like we, we got places to go, we got things to do, and so we're like, hey, you good, everything's okay, all right, and we, and we just keep walking, right? And, and that's not the greeting that's happening here, not between Mary and Elizabeth. And a greeting at this particular time, in this particular culture, would include a physical embrace, so like a hug, and then they would go into Elizabeth's house and have a long conversation about how life is going, 
And it's not just that surface level conversation where you skim a few things off the top and then you're done. It's not one of those. They're spending significant time going into detail about their welfare and the way that God is working within their lives. All of that and probably so much more. Like that greeting could last for hours. Just sit there and talk about the work of God within their life. And, and that, and probably so much more, is wrapped up into that greeting. And here, right there, we see an amazing pattern for discipleship. Like, we need to see this. It's not just the older who's pouring into the younger. It's the younger who is also pouring into the older. There's a mutual strengthening that's happening there, a mutual edifying that's taking place. Because think about this, both Mary and Elizabeth are at a place right now where they need to be encouraged that miracles still happen. Like God is doing some supernatural things within both of their lives. They both need to be encouraged that God is still faithful to his word. That God is still working in them and around them. Because even though they're at different life stages, they're both in the middle of circumstances that are changing everything for them. And so they both needed to be in this spot where their faith in God would be strengthened. This is part of the reason that I believe that our Mission City Institute discipleship classes are so important. And uh, there's three classes that are coming up in January. Um, How to Study Your Bible. Discipleship 101 and uh, providing biblical soul care for yourself and for others as well. And um, you got to understand, loved ones, that, that um, we're not doing this just for the sake of doing this. These are so much more than just classes for you to be in. These are tools that are going to equip you in your, to grow in your love for Jesus Christ. These are classes, we pray, that are going to motivate you and give you what you need to grow and be strengthened in your faith in God. And this is, not only that, this is also going to load you up, we pray, with the ammunition that you need to speak true biblical encouragement into the lives of the people around you. Like, just think of what it could be like with conversations across this church family. That, that go so much deeper than the surface, that go so much farther than in the moment when, when we need the encouragement of just going to somebody and saying, yeah, well, just hang in there. Like conversations that go so much deeper than saying, well, you know what, God's got a plan. Now, is that true? Absolutely it's true. God does have a plan, and we need to keep encouraging one another with that reality that God, in fact, does have a plan for everything that we go through. But think of what it could be like if we could go so much farther beneath the surface than just that. And to go to somebody and say, hey, listen, I, I understand a little bit of what you're going through because I've been through that as well. And, and here's what God taught me when I was going through that. And I just want to encourage you with this. Here's what God's word says. And here's what God means by what he says. And here now is how you can take that and you can apply it to your life. Like just think of the difference that makes when we can come alongside of each other and encourage each other with substance in those ways. And that's happening in some places. Just think of how much more it could happen. So we've got these classes coming up. Many of you have signed up. You've committed already. That's great. But, but really, let's, let's be honest, these classes could be so much bigger. Like there could be so many more people in each one of these classes. And, and there's still room. There's still time for you to sign up. And so, so I just wonder right now, who is it here? Like who is it here right now? And this, this right here, this is the place where you need to arise and go. Just like Mary You need to arise and go because this is the place that God is giving you right now in your life to be encouraged. 
This is one of those places where God has given you to to learn how to get more out of the time that you spend reading your Bible and and to more deeply understand what God has done for you and what it means to live the Christian life. Like, loved ones, let's not miss the golden opportunity that is right in front of us right now. Mutual strengthening happening in those classes together. And then the fruit of that mutual strengthening happening in relationships as well. Like, don't let this slip by. It's right there for the taking. Just think of this on, even on a practical level of hospitality. Like, like what we see happening right here with Mary and Elizabeth, this is like hospitality 101. Like, like having people into your space and doing so much more than just shooting the breeze, right? It's like, tell me what God's doing in your life. How have you seen God at work lately? Let me tell you how I've seen the character of God at work in my own life. How is it that we can build each other up in our faith? Like, just think of what could happen with that. Like, like we think of that right now. That's a little weird, isn't it? Like, honestly, right? For our culture, for our time, for the busyness of our lives, it's a little bit weird having people into our space and talking, going deep about how the character of God is impacting our life and our decisions and and our families and the things that we do every single day. A little bit weird, but more than a little bit right. Just think, who is it over the holidays maybe that you need to invite into your space? Maybe over these next few days, maybe to come with you to the Christmas Eve service. Who is it that you need to invite into this space? Who is it that, that we need? What are the things in our lives that we need to do maybe to change patterns so we're having people into our space? It's a big deal for us introverts, by the way, Right? Biblical encouragement mutually strengthens our faith in God. Uh, Then notice this, number three. Biblical encouragement will be spirit-filled. Be spirit-filled. Verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So the baby leaps in Elizabeth's womb. That's exciting for sure when a mom-to-be can feel the baby move and kick. Um, To understand what's going on here, we need to go back to Luke chapter 1 and verse 15. So look back in your Bible just earlier in chapter 1 to verse 15. This is speaking of how Elizabeth would give birth to John and speaking specifically of John. uh, Luke 1 verse 15 says this, For he, for John, will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Like, wow, right? That's pretty amazing. So even as Mary, notice here, back to our passage, even as Mary walks into the room to greet Elizabeth, John, who is not even born yet, is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, consider what was John's purpose that had been given to him by God for his life? What was his purpose? It was to prepare the way for Jesus. And so John, leaping in Elizabeth's womb when Mary walks into the room, is not just some random detail that Luke includes in the Christmas story. There is something supremely supernatural that is happening in that moment because John is fulfilling his God-given responsibility to prepare the way for Jesus. He is proclaiming the coming of the Messiah. And you say, well, wait a second, what do you mean by that? Well, think of it like this. When Mary walks into the room, so does Jesus. 
because Mary is pregnant with Jesus. And now John, as he leaps in his mother's womb, John, full of the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb, is already proclaiming that the Messiah has come in the only way that he can, to his mother and to Mary, that the Messiah is here. Jesus is here. The one whom God has sent to save his people from their sins is here. And that is awesome. And then observe what happens next. Verse 41. Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Simply means that the Spirit of God has total control of her life. And so notice this principle here. This is so, so important as we go through this passage. The filling of the Spirit happens as we are in the presence of Jesus. The filling of the Spirit happens as we are in the presence of Jesus. I think this is a good word for all of us. The greatest encouragement that we can receive is the encouragement that only Jesus can give. I mean, isn't it true? One of the reasons that Sometimes we get so discouraged is because we're waiting so long for the words of encouragement and affirmation and praise from the people in our life that we respect. And then when those words of encouragement never come, it's almost like our world falls off its axis, right? And we get so discouraged. And, and listen, loved ones, this is where our priorities need to be re- realigned. This is where our perspective needs to be refocused. The single greatest source of encouragement in our lives will always and only be Jesus, Like, I go through seasons, too, where I need to be reminded of that truth because we're all human. We all need to be reminded of this truth. But but I wonder, I wonder, loved ones, how many of us have tapped into the single greatest source that God has given us to be encouraged? Like, we already have the single greatest source of encouragement right here in our hands, open before us, being proclaimed in our presence right now. How many of us are tapping in to the single greatest source? How many of us, even before we came to church this morning, were tapping in to the single greatest source of encouragement that God has already given us in his word to be encouraged by Jesus himself? Like, I wonder how, how many of us are are just kind of letting this book sit on a shelf and we can walk past it and not even think about it. We can let this book sit on a shelf for a week, maybe two weeks, maybe a little bit longer, maybe even a lot longer without ever cracking it open. And yet, we seem more and more to be living in a culture that is so discouraged and so down and so depressed and so, it's so hard. And yet, listen, God has given us the greatest source of encouragement already and it's right here. And all you gotta do is open it and read it. And you've got the spirit of God inside of you. And when you have the spirit of God and the word of God, that's when a life changes. That's where you get your encouragement. Listen, um, Psalm 19 says that this book revives your soul. Sounds pretty encouraging to me. Second Peter says that this book acts like a light in the darkness when I don't know what to do. Sounds pretty encouraging to me. Proverbs 4 says that the Bible is medicine. That sounds encouraging to me. Sometimes you don't like the medicine, but you know you need it. It's the way the word of God works sometimes too. Most of all, listen, most of all, this book right here 
right in front of you right now. This book tells me how much God loves me. This book tells you how much God loves you. That God, in his perfect love, created you in his image. And that even though we have fallen into sin, that he has sent his one and only son to be born at the perfect time, to enter into human history, to be born in a manger in Bethlehem at the absolute perfect time. And this little baby was born like any other little baby, and yet it would become so abundantly clear that this little baby was not like every other little baby. He was born and he lived a perfect, sinless life. And then he died in our place for our sins on a cross. And then he rose again for our justification. And then he has given us his spirit to live inside of us when we believe that he is the only way that we can be forgiven of our sins. That if we will confess our sins and believe in him, then we will be saved. And we have the spirit of God living inside of us who will seal our salvation and redemption redemption until the day that Christ comes to take us again, a beautiful promise that he has made that we will be with him forever and we will rule and reign with him forever. Loved ones, that is our encouragement and you find it right here. We got it. The word of God The word of God, this is where we find the presence of Jesus and the filling of the spirit happens as we are in the presence of Jesus. We need to see how absolutely huge this is. If we don't have the presence of Jesus by the power of the spirit, then we have nothing. We have nothing. If we don't have the presence of Jesus, then it doesn't matter what else we have. Like all of this other stuff in life, All this other stuff around Christmas, all the the presents and the time off and the vacations and the family time and the Christmas dinners and the eggnog and and the figgy pudding, whatever that is, another Christmas, and and I still don't know what figgy pudding is. and, And so you got all that stuff. And listen, there's nothing wrong with all that stuff. Some of those things are good. Maybe figgy pudding's good. I don't know. But, but some of those things are good and they're okay. But listen, none of those things are going to satisfy the deepest craving of your soul or my soul. It's the word of God, the presence of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's our encouragement. That's what satisfies. If we have nothing else but we have Jesus, you know what? I'm good with that. And when the source of, of your encouragement of others flows out of the encouragement that you receive from Jesus in his word and in his presence, boy, again, that's just going to change so much. It's going to change so much. Which leads us then to this next observation, number four. Biblical encouragement will build others up in specific ways. Here's the content of Elizabeth's encouragement, verse 42. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Notice what happens next. Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit of God, and she exclaims in a loud voice. That's um, actually a redundancy in the original language, but the idea here is that she's so overwhelmed with joy because she sees the plan of God unfolding right in front of her. Like, have you ever been in that spot? where it's just like the layers are being peeled off and, and it's like, wow, that is God so much. Like there is no other explanation for this. That's just God at work here. Ever, you ever been in that situation, right? Pretty amazing, right? 
And, and you just see the unmistakable ways that God is at work. And that's where Elizabeth's encouragement now, that's where her encouragement becomes very specific. And notice this, very Christ-centered. So first of all, she says, blessed are you among women. That word blessed shows up three times in this passage. It means to have God's favor. And, and again, just notice the humility in this statement. Like here's Elizabeth, much older than Mary, much of her life already lived, and how easy, think about this, how easy would it have been for Elizabeth at that point to be jealous, to be angry, to be bitter, that this young girl was coming alongside of her and getting maybe some of the things that Elizabeth thought she would have in her life but she never got? And here's this young girl who has absolutely nothing. Like, how easy would it have been for Elizabeth to sit there and think, you know what, I'm older than she is. I have more experience than she does. I've been through all these things. If anyone deserves this, it's me. Not this young teenage girl who's 13, 14, 15 years old, and she has nothing to her name. She has no experience. She has nothing. Like, who is she to take all of this? How easy would it have been for her to think like that? And how easy is it for us to think like that sometimes as well? So easy for us to feel so entitled to the things that we think we deserve. See, when Elizabeth says this, blessed are you among women, she's not just making a statement about Mary, that she's blessed by God. Even more so, she's making a statement about the baby to whom Mary will give birth. So notice this. Elizabeth is saying here, Mary, the baby that you are having, he is awesome. He is the son of God. He is the one whom God has sent to save his people from their sins. And so Mary, because your baby is awesome, that means that you are honored. And so she says here, blessed are you among women, but, but there's something else here that she's indirectly saying. Elizabeth doesn't come right out and say this, but it's kind of implied in what she does say. Notice that, that Elizabeth implies in saying this, she's, she's almost saying to Mary, hey, listen, I don't need to be jealous of you. I don't need to be envious of the way that God is working in your life right now. Why? Like, like why could Elizabeth be in a place like that? She can say that because she can look at the work that God is doing in Mary's life and realize that God is clearly at work in Mary's life. Mary, that is what God has called you to do. And Mary, this is what God has called me to do. And there is so much clarity in what God is calling each one of us to be and to do. And so because this is my thing over here that God has called me to, and that's your thing over there that God has called you to, I don't need to be jealous of you. I don't need to be envious of you. In fact, I can genuinely encourage you and come alongside of you and tell you how happy I am for you because it's so clear that God is doing that work in your life. And God has given me clarity about what he's doing in my life over here. Like how much does that change things? Like that's absolutely massive, isn't it? Like how, how much do... Does our world need to hear that? Like, I don't need to be jealous of you because God's got this call on my life and it's so clear what he wants me to do that I can be genuinely happy for you in what God's doing in your life. And I just want to encourage you with that. How much do our families need to hear that? After that, Elizabeth goes on and says, blessed is the fruit of your womb. Mary is blessed, but the child is blessed as well because He's God's plan of salvation. Notice this. Elizabeth tells Mary not only how Mary has been blessed, but then in verse 44, she tells Mary specifically how God has used Mary to bless her. 
Now, just a heads up here, um, this kind of encouragement takes time and effort, doesn't it? Like, if you want to get specific with someone else about how you see God working in their life and to specifically tell them how God has used them to encourage you, that's deliberate. Like, that's going to take some time and effort, but it is so good and it is so worth it. Because it's so much bigger than just coming alongside someone with something super generic like, hey, um, I just want you to know that I think you're really good at, like, walking. Like, you got that left, right, left, right thing down, perfect. Like, way to go. And, and listen, there's nothing wrong with the generic encouragement. Sometimes we need that, right? We need to keep going with that. But, but there are times where we need to get more specific. Like, this is how I see God working in you. This is what I see, and, and this is how God has used you to bless me. And I, I just want you to know this so specifically. This is what God has done. Like, those are life-giving words. Those are hope-filled words. Those are words that come from the overflow of a fountain of joy and deep security in Jesus Christ in your own life. And we all need that. Like, don't miss this. The primary content of the encouragement revolves around the work of the Lord within their lives. It's not that we can't encourage one another about the other stuff that happens. We need that. But it revolves around the work of the Lord. Why? Because again, ultimately, that is what matters most. That's what's going to last forever. In fact, this matters so much to God that he keeps coming back to this. Notice these passages up on the screen for you. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but here it is, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So why do we need the encouragement? Put that into the context of the book of Hebrews. These are Christians who are being persecuted because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Why do we need the encouragement? We need the encouragement because living the Christian life is hard. (laughs) It's hard. And we need to encourage one another. How about this one? Next verse on the screen, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Here's another one, Hebrews 3, verse 13. It says, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today. So maybe you're sitting here right now, you're thinking to yourself, hmm, when should I encourage someone else? It's a good idea to encourage anybody on any day that is called today. Pretty simple, right? Any day that ends in Y, encourage somebody else, okay? Um, As long as it is called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That's the why behind it. That's the why we encourage one another because, again, the Christian life is hard. And if we go day after day, week after week, month after month, and we are refusing other people to come into our life and speak biblical truth and encouragement into us, it's going to get harder and harder and harder to push away the temptation of sin. We need the encouragement within our life. So let's get specific around this. Think, think when this becomes the pattern of our lives, just think of the ways that things start to change. Specific words of specific encouragement lead to stronger marriages, lead to stronger families, lead to stronger friendships, lead to happier Christmas dinners. Yay for that, right? Specific words of specific encouragement lead to stronger small groups. Stronger ministry teams leads to a stronger church. Like when we are deliberate and intentional about the words of encouragement that come out of our mouths. Listen, loved ones, again, I can't say this enough. This is a game changer. One more point. 
and we're done. Number five, biblical encouragement will point us toward future faith. Quickly here, one final word of blessing from Elizabeth in verse 45. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. In other words, Mary is trusting God for something that does not yet exist. But she's trusting based solely on the promise that God has made. So notice this here, notice, simple principle right here. If you want to be blessed, you have to believe. If you want to be blessed, you have to believe. If you want the blessing of God upon your life, then you have to believe that God's way is the best way. That, and that's the way it is in God's word from cover to cover. Our obedience to the will and the purposes of God for our lives leads to God's blessing within our lives. Notice this. In whatever way God decides to pour out that blessing upon us. Like God's blessing is for the person who lives by faith, no matter how big or how small the situation may be. That's the situation for Mary right now. That's the situation for every one of us right now as well. In fact, there's, I think there's one area where um, this may be really obvious that God's blessing awaits those who will be obedient. Some of you uh, perhaps have not been baptized yet. As a public declaration of your faith in Jesus Christ, some of you have been putting this off for a long time for a variety of different reasons and, and maybe you're afraid of what your friends are gonna think, you're afraid of what your family's gonna think, you're afraid of what people that you don't even know are gonna think and and, and I can't help but wonder maybe if Mary was in a very similar situation to that right here in this text. Like she's asking herself some of these questions if those things are big enough to prevent her from doing what God has told her to do. And, and so you sit here right now and, and you think about baptism. You're afraid of talking in front of a room full of people. You're afraid of getting wet at church. Oh no. And, and you're afraid of so many things just going wrong in so many different ways. But listen, I get that. Because that was my testimony too. I was saved as a kid, got baptized as a teenager. I look back on that right now, and I regret waiting so long to be baptized because I knew better. And sometimes there's, there's, some, um, there's some wisdom in waiting and seeing the fruit of repentance in, in a young person's life, um, but, but I knew better. I knew that I needed to be baptized. I knew what I needed to do, and I just didn't do it because of all of those reasons I just told you, like packaged into one tight ball that was awful. I was just afraid of so many things and just kept putting it off. So I get that. But I think, I think it comes down to this one question, whether you're facing baptism or you're facing something else completely different within your life, it comes down to this one question. Do you believe that God is worthy to be trusted? Do you believe that when God says, go this way, that that is the best way for you to go? Like, I understand that a lot of these questions and fears around baptism are real. I understand that. And we want to be able to come alongside of you and walk with you uh, through those questions and through those fears. And we have another baptism service coming up on January 12th. But in the end, listen, when it comes to all of those things, we need to answer this question. Do we believe that God is worthy to be trusted right now with everything that I'm going through and that he will keep me to the very end? Like that is one of the hallmarks of biblical encouragement. It will point us toward future faith. It will point us toward having faith in God as we walk through the circumstances of our life right now, but also in the future. So I just want to encourage you with this right now. For those of you who need to be baptized or for those of you who are going through something completely different in your life, listen, I want to encourage you with this. God is faithful. 
and he will continue to be faithful to you. He is with you now, and he will continue to be with you in the future things that he is putting before you to do. So trust in his promises. Depend upon his word, and great blessing waits for those who will obey him. If you want to be blessed, you have to believe. So can I encourage us, just as a church, let's be a people of encouragement. Let's realize that this is something that we all need that can mutually strengthen our faith in God. It's spirit-filled. We can build each other up in specific ways and it will point us toward future faith.